When you pursue truth with rigorous honesty, you will end up at the cross every single time. Alex Joy is now on the staff of one of our campuses. Aren't you glad God still seeks and redeems the lost, huh? That's a great story. There has to be some kind of research somewhere that says people who watch sports will adopt stray animals. I, I don't watch that much television, but I watch a lot of sports. If it bounces or rolls, I'm gonna be watching it. And every commercial is about a dog that needs a forever home. And it's always this one-eyed, three-legged dog that just has been down on his luck and just needs someone to love this dog. Now there's a few cats in there, I'm not doing a cat. (laughs) But dog after dog after dog, their personalities are described, their habits. Everything about this dog is told with a violin or soft guitar behind it, (laughs) hoping that you'll turn the television off in the middle of the game and go find this dog and bring him to your forever home. And they even show you a couple of happy dogs in their forever home. Wouldn't you want a happy dog today? You ever wonder what would happen if they ran a commercial of the people who were in search of forever homes? Those strays abandoned in our world who are just looking for someone to adopt them. Single mothers who have been abandoned by her husband told them they were lousy wives and worse mothers. Where's she gonna go with that? The 16 year old guy who is too short one day, too tall the next. Loves to play video games because it's the one place in his life where he wins. And all the countless numbers of people who fell into the trap of letting their job define them. Their job give them meaning who had to stay home because of the pandemic. I wonder what would happen if they ran a commercial about all of the people who were looking for forever homes. 
Like the woman John tells us about in the eighth chapter of his gospel. Stand with me in honor of God's word. At dawn, Jesus went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and he began to teach them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law of Moses, he commands us to stone such people. What do you say? They asked him this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. So Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. And when he heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, she said, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, do not sin anymore. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go and from now on, don't sin anymore. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it and live. Let's pray together. both those who were self-righteous and the sinner came to you to find the answer for their lives. Likewise, O oh Lord, give us the questions and the answers that we need today. And we pray this in your name. Amen. In some of your translations, some of your scriptures, you will have a bracket around this story. There'll be some kind of parentheses. There'll be a little footnote that says, this story was not found in the earliest manuscripts of John. Now what that means is when we started digging and finding early scrolls, uh, scrolls from the second century on, this story may or may not have been in some of those scrolls. Now remember what a scroll is. A scroll is a sheet of paper, papyrus, that would be written on, that would be glued to the previous paper, piece of paper. And you would have a long roll of papyrus paper glued to each other. Uh, and we have uh, early manuscripts, early scrolls, where the last few pages have fallen off. Okay, every time the scroll is rolled off, it tugs on that glue. Every time it's rolled back, it tugs on that glue and you've glued things together like I have and sooner or later the glue fails and the pages will fall off. The ending of Mark is like that. In some of the earliest scrolls of Mark, there's no ending. It, it ends with the story of the women at the tomb. And we think that the original ending of Mark is somewhere on some guy's floor and didn't get stuck back in there. In the same way, we think, 
And remember, I tell you all the time that the writers of the script uh, of the gospel stories got to that family picture drawer. You know that drawer we all have of snapshots, pictures of the family all over the years. One of these days, we're going to put these all in a book, right? But they're all in this drawer. And the gospel writers took out these pictures and put them out on the table and said, I need this story, this story, this story, this story. And that's how the gospels were combined together. Okay, somewhere in there was the picture of this woman. Now, we don't know if it fell out of John and the scribe who had that scroll didn't glue it back in there or if they found it in another pile and glued it back in there. Now, people who stay up way too late at night and do things like um, uh, compare verb tenses and how many times this word is used by one writer? How many times Paul has used? You know, some of the writers don't, some of the uh, scholars don't think some of the New Testament that we ascribe to Paul is actually written by Paul. And when you say why, and they say, well, he, he uses this word only 12 times in his book. And Paul uses it hundreds of times in the other book. Way too late at night. Go on to bed, these things will not bother you. Okay? <laughs> All right, we, we got these guys, and they stay up way too late at night. Uh, and some have said, you know, it sounds a lot like Luke. Uh, the story of, of a sinner, a story of an outcast, uh, those are all Luke stories. Here's what we know. When the early church was putting the Bible together, now I know you want the Bible to have fallen from heaven in one big clump, right? Poof! Okay, it didn't. Okay, it was told as oral stories for generations from one person to another person. And you had to recite the story back exactly as you heard it. You couldn't add or change one word. You had to recite it back exactly the way you heard it. And then you would tell someone else. The Old Testament circulated like that for hundreds of years. And even in the middle, uh, middle Ages, it wasn't unusual to find a rabbi who could quote the entire Old Testament from memory. Okay, that's not unusual. Okay, so the early church would have had these stories. And when they started writing them down, somebody remembered the story. And the church wanted it in there. Because in this story, we found out some things about Jesus that confirmed what we know about him. So we held on to this story. And it's a great story. It's one of the stories that everybody knows about scripture is Jesus and the woman called in adultery. Now, I have told you that I spent way too much time in church when I was growing up. I was there Sunday morning, I was there Sunday night, I was there Wednesday night. I was there when my mom and dad had committee meetings and I would have to sit out in the hall and wait for them to finish the committee meeting. And when you're in church that much, you have to do something. There's only one book in the whole building. <laughs> so you end up reading the Bible, but you read it with a certain eye, okay? And you read the story and there's certain parts of the story you want to know first. Where's the dude? We caught this woman in adultery. Well, some things hadn't changed, folks. 
It still takes two to tango. Where's the dude? Now, was he fast and he jumped out the window and run off? Right? Now, that would be like a dude leave the woman alone to, ha- to, to take the blunt of the blame, right? And all the women are going, yep, that's a dude, right? Okay. Where is he? We, we don't know. Yes. It says stone them. Yes, it does. It says them, him and her. Where's the guy? Second, how do you catch someone in adultery? Okay, let's just say you're sitting in your office, minding your own business. This guy walks in with a woman and says, I have caught her in adultery. My first question is, what kind of pervert are you? What are you doing sneaking around somebody else's house trying to catch them? Was it a trap? Now, they said they asked the question to get a trap. Now, they had tried to trap Jesus before, and trying to trap Jesus was extremely frustrating. Every time they quoted scripture to him, he would quote one back. He would give it a deeper and richer interpretation. He would find the heart of the message and confront them with that. It was, it was frustrating to find to trap Jesus, but this time they had it. If Jesus said, yes, stone her, then he will lose the loyalty of the people who think Jesus has compassion for sinners. If he says, don't stone her, then he has abandoned the law of Moses. And the religious leaders have cause now to attack Jesus, arrest Jesus, because of his unbelief. What do you say we should do? And Jesus doesn't say anything he begins to ride in the dirt. Now, for thousands of years, we have tried to figure out what Jesus was writing. Some say he wrote certain passages of scripture, but the early church fathers, uh, those preachers of the first and second century in the early church, you know what they think Jesus wrote? Have you heard this? They think Jesus listed the sin of all of the men there. So when Jesus starts to write in the sand, each man being curious steps up to see what Jesus is writing. And he sees Jesus listing his own failures. And then when Jesus says, let the one who's without sin, he's already listed. If you think you're without sin, fellas, here's the list. I've given it to you. We don't know, but I want that to be true so bad. (laughs) And each guy stepped back. Did the math in his head, 
and said, if I throw stones at her, somebody's going to have to throw stones at me. And he drops a stone, one by one, and they all leave. Each time a stone fell, it sounded like thunder to her. And no one was left. Just her. Just Jesus. And a lot of rocks. Did anyone stay? No, sir. Has anyone accused you? No, sir. I'm not going to accuse you either. Now, notice what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say she wasn't guilty. Jesus didn't say she wasn't wrong. Jesus said, I'm not going to condemn you. The Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn it, but that through him the world could be saved. Now go. Go, Jesus says to her, and don't sin anymore. Have you ever wondered where she went? Where did she go? The men went back home. The men went back to read the Bible again, see if there's another passage they could trap Jesus with. Or maybe some of them, seeing the list of their sins, went and found the friend that they had wronged and made amends and restored a relationship. We don't, we, we don't know. Where did Jesus go? Jesus went on about his ministry. Where does she go? Does she go find the lover who abandoned her when she was caught? I doubt it. Even if she did find him, she wouldn't be finding him to stay with him. Did she go back to her husband? Now, imagine you're the husband and you wake up one morning and splashed across the headlines of the local paper is your wife in front of Jesus being caught in adultery. Do you let her come home? Where does she go? Go and sin no more. Where does she go? You know, one of the things that we have forgotten about the church in postmodern America is that we are a rescue station. We are put where we are put it's mainly because we are put near some of the most dangerous places for people to be. We are the lifeguard who is sitting in the stand on the beach, knowing if we do not pay attention, the waves and the rip currents will pull the innocent and the uh, swimmers who aren't paying attention, it will pull them out to sea. So we look for people who are in trouble. The first thing about a rescue station is that we are looking for friends who are in trouble. 
We don't wait till they drown and float to the shore. Okay? We see them as they're getting into trouble, before they get into trouble, or while they're in trouble, and we go to them. Now, the normal Baptist thing to do is wait for someone to fall off the edge of the cliff, and then we will say, I could have told you that was going to happen. Let's pray for them. No. I tell you this all the time. The good news of the gospel isn't that you can get to God. I'm not going to give you 10 easy steps to get to God. I'm going to remind you that God in Jesus Christ has come to you. The rescuer comes to you. We are the ones in the name of Christ that search the surroundings around us. We look out over the ocean and we look for friends who are in trouble. That's first. Second, we go to them and we pull them back home and we take care of them till they're able to stand on their own. Now, I know a lot of you grew up like I did, right? Where the reputation was the most important thing you could have. In the South, reputation matters. And so we were told to be careful who we hang around with, right? If you lay down with dogs, you get fleas. Is that new to some of y'all? That's, oh, I'd, I'd have played it harder if I'd known you guys didn't know that. <clears throat> right? If you hang around this kind of people, then people are going to assume you are that kind of person and your reputation will be damaged and you won't be able to get into a good school. You won't be able to get a good job because your reputation will have been whacked by the kind of people you hang around. So we were never to hang around those kinds of people. And did you ever get in trouble for just hanging around? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't care about his reputation? What in the world would people say about Jesus when they found out he hangs around you? That he hangs around me? What in the world would people say if they knew we were a place where people knew they could get help. A bunch of years ago, in fact, we had just moved into this facility and, and Nashville, the middle of Tennessee area, had a freak snowstorm. Do y'all remember this? They had already sent the kids off to school and everybody had to get home from school. There's like three or four inches of snow, ice, and they sent them home on buses. And the buses were sliding all over Concord Road and Franklin Road and everybody. Oh, it was chaos. And before we knew it, we had five or six buses who had parked in the front part of Brentwood Baptist Church and brought all the kids in here. One of the bus drivers said, I couldn't drive the bus on the road anymore. I knew when I saw your church, if I could get the kids in here, somebody would help us. We emptied every candy jar in the building. <laughs> Waiting for parents to come to Brentwood Baptist Church and pick their kids up. We were scared for days afterwards that we were going to find a kid wandering in the back hall <laughs> that we had left. 
when I saw your church. I knew if I could get in there, somebody would help us. You hear us talk about a hundred churches in Middle Tennessee, that's why. Heard an interview with the CEO of uh, Dunkin' Donuts. And they asked him about starting new stores. He says, we use a baseball. A baseball? Yeah, if we stand in the front door of a Dunkin' Donuts and can throw a baseball and not hit another one, there's room to start a new Dunkin' Donuts. If you can stand in the front door of any of our campuses and throw a baseball and not hit another Baptist church and not another Brentwood Baptist church campus, there's room to start another one. There shouldn't be any place in middle Tennessee where somebody can't point to a church and say, if I can get in there, somebody will help me. Amen. There shouldn't be a place in middle Tennessee where one of us doesn't go and find them and say, hey, look like you could use some help. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to rescue it. Amen. Did you hear, did you remember all of those stories about friends bringing friends to Jesus so they'd be healed? That's you. You're the friend. Carrying the friend. If we can just get them to Jesus. He'll help. And look at you. You made it inside. You're here. Now, you just may know something's wrong. I can't go on like this anymore. That's okay. That's where we all start. You may be, listen, I, I've heard about Jesus, but I don't know him and I've got some questions. That's okay. We don't expect you to have it all figured out. But don't leave with those questions still unanswered. Don't leave with that pain still aching in your soul. You find us, we'll be over in the Welcome Center. Go on to the sanctuary, turn left, you'll see a big glass room. That's where we'll be. I'll be there, other ministers will be there. We wanna answer you questions, we wanna pray with you. We want you to know the healing that the presence of Christ can bring to you today. Don't leave. Were those questions unanswered? Perhaps it's time to come be part of Brentwood Baptist Church. We'd love for that process to get started. So you find us. He's waiting for you where you are. The church will wait for you as you come. Lord Jesus, every life is now open before you, every heart. So we pray that the choices we're making will be exactly what you want.